Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Step drop, goes on the end zone, hot ball, touchdown Tampa Bay, Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Here they go again, Tempo mode, dropping the throw, Winston out again, goes to the left, it's intercepted at the 35, outside the numbers to the 40, to the 35, to the 30, to the 25, to the 20, to the 15, 10, Mike Edwards, touchdown Tampa Bay, that's the dagger my friend. This is the big nasty, yeah big nasty, all fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan baby. This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And they're the cannons, cannons. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. It has been one hell of of a last 48 hours for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The last time we talked to you on this show, uh, myself and James Hill sat here and told you, yeah, don't expect much. A lot of guys are going to get paid, and they may not get paid by the Bucs. Jamel Dean, Levante David, you know, still kind of 50-50 on if those guys are going to be coming back. And, uh, you know, on that podcast, we made a grave mistake. And um, the first mistake is that Evan Wanish was not available to uh, to talk some sense into us. But second, uh, we doubted the powers that be. We doubted general manager Jason Light, Mike Greenberg, and everyone else in that Buccaneers front office who have been making deals these last few days. I am your host, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. Evan, I missed you, but... More importantly, I am ecstatic to uh, to recap the last couple of days of Tampa Bay Buccaneer news because it's a lot of positive updates. And I know a lot of people, including us, kind of said that, you know, guys like Jamel Dean, we should prepare for them to leave. But it seems like a quiet free agency for the Bucs, but retaining the talent that they have, like Levante David and Jamel Dean were the two best free agents on this team. And uh, I- I'm more than pleasantly surprised they were able to keep both. How are you feeling? Well, you know, not only keep both, but um, first off, I'm doing well. Uh, thank you. And yeah, g- glad to be back. Um, that shout out to James for reading the the Bucks battle plan that I had. Uh, sorry I couldn't be here to to read it in person, just some scheduling stuff. But yeah, we're back here. And I'll tell you what, you know, my Bucks battle plan didn't have a lot of the stuff that they've done. Uh, it had a similar idea of, you know, signing the veteran quarterback, even had the, the idea of kind of sort of the, the money uh, that the veteran quarterback was going to get, but um, didn't have Jamel Dean coming back. Didn't have Anthony Nelson coming back. Thought both those players would be a little too expensive and the Bucks are able to bring them back. So um, yeah, I, I think, you know, over the past 24 to 48 hours, there's been obviously a lot of updates, but also a lot of surprise. Um, that Jamel Dean thing really, really shocked me. I, I was, I was about eighty twenty that that he was pretty much gone. Um, and then, you know, I was expecting him to be one of the first guys when the the 
I say in air quotes here, the legal tampering period, because let's be let's be real here. They've been tampering for weeks. It seems like such a brutal name for it. You know what I mean? Like rename it the negotiation period, rename it something that isn't legal tampering, because, again, it it does sound just terrible, doesn't it? Like it really gives it a, a, a bad reputation. Yeah, like, you know, let's go out and tamper a little bit. Um, but um, I, you know, uh, I thought Jamel Dean was going to be one of the first players like deals announced uh, sort of like Alex Kappa was last year. Um, I thought he was going to be one of the first deals announced uh, in that um, tampering period. And it wasn't. And then things sort of got quiet. And quieter and quieter. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, the Bucks are re-signing him. So at a good number, too. I, I thought he was going to get much more than that on the open market. I mean, 13, it's about 13 million a year when you just break down the, the contract. Um, his cap hit this year is about a little over 4 million. Um, but like if you just break down the specific deal, it's about 13 a year. I thought he was going to get at least 16. 17, maybe even 18 million a year. And I obviously I think Mike Garofolo um said that like this offer that was like the Bucks final offer, like any more than that, and and they probably would have been out. So uh, I think it just shows, you know, a guy like Dean who wanted to stay in Tampa. And then obviously the questions surrounding Levante David. Um after that, you know, how are they gonna sign Levante David? Well, they found a way to do that. So um, I, I started to feel a bit more confident about the David thing, though, seeing the prices that the linebackers were getting. I don't think Levante was probably too happy with the market because the market wasn't giving him what he needed. Uh, and that was guys weren't really getting overpaid at the linebacker position besides uh, Tremaine Edmonds. And Tremaine Edmonds is nine years younger than Levante David. So a much different situation there. And uh, I, I think that, you know, the writing was on the wall. Like I just, I had a, I was pretty confident that David was, was returning, but uh, still, still a good deal. And like, like I said, you know, before I let you go here, um, some pleasant surprises uh, that the Bucks were able to re-sign guys like Jamel Dean and Anthony Nelson as well. Yeah, when you look at that linebacker market, that free agent list, it, it seems like it's stacked, right? I, I mean, you know, Bobby Wagner sitting there, Levante David as well. I think Bud Dupree's on there, even though he hasn't been the guy he used to be. Um, there's a couple of other really, really good linebackers still sitting out there, and it doesn't seem like the market is that hot. At least, uh, you know, teams breaking the bank to sign one of these guys, but you know, even Levante David market might not have been what he wanted. I think what's more apparent here is Jamel Dean taking well under market value, in my opinion. Like this is a guy that easily could have been paid much more elsewhere. And uh, I got a ton of respect for him as a player coming back to Tampa Bay, like staying faithful to the team that he won a championship with. And, and like, that's pretty cool to me, you know, because on one end of the spectrum, you have guys like Levante David, who may have taken less money in the past to stay with Tampa. We don't really know that. But Jamel Dean clearly taking less money to stay with Tampa Bay this time around through an uncertain period. Um, you know, you have guys like that on one end, of the, uh, one end of the spectrum, and I hate to bash him for a second week in a row, but on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Leonard Fournette, who, you know, openly doesn't want to be here because we're not going to be guaranteed winning seasons every year, and that's fine. Totally fine. NFL players are allowed to do whatever the hell they want. I'm never going to get mad about a guy getting paid, wanting more money, wanting more carries. It is what it is. It's their livelihood, not mine. But um, yeah, man, I'm just appreciative for guys like Jamel Dean and especially Levante David. 
I went on that whole rant a couple of weeks ago about how bad I didn't want to see Levante David in another team's uniform. So it means a lot to me that he's back. Now, I wanted to ask you this question, too. It's a one-year deal for Levante. And uh, at 33 years old, you know, it's hard to commit for any longer than that because I feel like even Levante doesn't know if he's going to play after next season. So what are your thoughts on this? Do you think it's just kind of a wait-and-see approach or – you know, is he going to maybe look for another payday this time a year from now? Because at, at 34, I feel like that's going to be even harder to to break out in a market like that, you know? Yeah, you know, it may all depend on the type of year he has, um, how his body's feeling, how his mind's feeling, uh, you know, whether it's retirement or... You got um, to, th- not to interrupt you, but you got to think the, uh, the TB12 method has got all these guys in Tampa thinking they can play till 40. I just I don't know how he's feeling, right? I'm sure there was a thought maybe of retirement, you know, this offseason. I'm sure there it was a conversation had. I'm sure it's going to be a conversation had next offseason. So I think just like you said, it's going to be a year to year thing I think with him. Um I I think this was sort of the last year he had a chance to sign a multi-year deal, which even then it would have been two or three years at most. Um so I think from here on out if he keeps playing, it's going to be pretty much one year deals. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And, and like you said, depending on how he plays, you know, what's the market going to be for a 34 year old linebacker? We'll see. Um, so I, I think that's something where time will tell that story. So we'll see. But it's it's good that he has a pretty good chance to finish his career in Tampa because just you know nowadays, not many guys in sports do. You know, I mean, did anybody really imagine Tom Brady wearing another uniform besides the Patriots? Oh, yeah, no way. You know, did Peyton, anyone Manning, ever, Peyton did, Manning not in a Colts uniform. Like Aaron Rodgers not playing for the Packers? Yeah, Aaron Rodgers not playing for the Packers. Phillip Rivers not playing for the Chargers. Like, it's just, it, it's rare nowadays for these guys to spend all their time with one team. It's just, it's super rare. So when you get that, it's it's very nice. So and while it's not a guarantee that Levante's going to finish out his career in Tampa, this signing certain certainly helps it because it, it felt like this year, like, ooh, you know, teams moving in a, you know, they're not really in win-now mode right now. You could see David maybe chase a, a, another ring, yeah. but it didn't happen. I was convinced it was going to be Miami. You know, had a needed inside linebacker, a young team looking to make a run, clearly going all in. They trade for Jalen Ramsey, put the pieces together for Tua. I know Tua is kind of a wild card, but Miami is one of the better teams in the AFC. Levante David, born in Miami, Florida. So, you know, it all kind of made sense to me. I I thought for sure we would see him in the, uh, the, what, the teal and orange next year, but... Luckily, yeah, I, I well, I mean, I thought Buffalo was a um, yeah, was a real threat. Uh, well, I, know, was... I didn't know I, I didn't know if he was going to go up there and play in the cold. Mm-hmm. But like, if you want to talk about a a Super Bowl contender that had a need at linebacker, they just lost Tremaine Edmonds. Um, I think that would have been and and the Bills reached out as well. So I think that would have been um, a legit landing spot for him. Yeah, of all the teams that were talked about, I think Buffalo was the only one that really had some legs just because of that report that came out. There was someone else that put him on a mock list that said he would be a Raider but uh, thank God that ship has sailed. So Levante, David, Jamel Dean back in Tampa Bay. Some more defensive help back in Tampa Bay outside linebacker. Anthony Nelson re-signed with the Bucks on a two-year deal worth $11 million, up to 13 mil in max value. Anthony Nelson, uh, 11 and a half sacks over the last two seasons as a rotational outside linebacker. This is a Jason Light draft pick that is developed in a way that we could have hoped. I know it was a slow start for Nelly, but 
you know, when we talk about these outside linebackers or even these stand up defensive ends, it, it takes a little while. You know, it takes two, three, maybe sometimes four years to see them develop all the way. And I think even as a rotational player, Anthony Nelson has been more than impressive and uh, he certainly earned this contract. But glad to see him back in Tampa Bay because it does seem like he could have gotten a payday elsewhere as well. Yeah, you know, here, here's here. This is a tough one um, because like yeah, the money's not awful. It is a little bit steep to me. You think um, it is a little stiff for a rotational guy? I mean, Shaq Barrett coming off of the injury that he has. Joe Tryon's going to get a hell of a lot more playing time next year. I think Anthony Nelson could eventually at some point in the season, you know, unless Shaq Barrett is playing lights out, I think we'll see a lot more of big number 98. I mean, you definitely could. Um, but to, to me, it's not so much about it's about the specific type of player. Um, to me, you know, Anthony Nelson, you know, he has those, what do you say, a 10 and a half or 11 and a half sacks in two years. Um uh, when you look at the tape, uh, uh, some of them have come just when he's unblocked and he just he just gets to the quarterback first. Um, so I, I like I said, I don't mind the actual contract. I just would have rather maybe go after a different type of player. Um, they talked about Todd Bowles talked about the combine, I think, about how, you know, he's never had a defense like, like this past year where the the pass rushers didn't lead the team in sacks. Like they did, they had so few sacks. And I, I think I, I just, my personal opinion is that they should have looked for a, a guy with that money with a bit more pass rush upside. I, I think um, it doesn't mean Nelson's a bad player. I mean, he's still young enough. He's 26 years old. Um, it's only a two year deal. It's not like it's a really long term, big money extension. And he's, he's a nice player. Um, I, I just probably would have looked in, in another, in another direction. And, and with this move, I would guess that that probably means Carl Nassib won't be back. Um, to me, he would have been a cheaper option to sign, obviously, most likely on a one-year deal. Uh, doesn't have as much upside as Nelson does, but I think would have provided um, you know, a similar skill set. So while I don't hate the contract, it, this is probably the one where I'm like, ah, like, did you really have to bring back Anthony Nelson? So um, like I said, nothing against the player, just a personal preference of what you know type of player I, I would be looking for. Uh, but I mean, hey, you can never have too much depth at those positions. So I'm sure the Bucks won't be done adding there. Uh, I would expect them to add, you know, a pass rusher or two in the draft, perhaps another depth guy in free agency. But, um, you know, it's it's not bad. It's just wish it would have been used a different way. You allocate your resources in another direction. Yeah, and, and what I'm about to say, I think, applies for some moves on the other side of the football. We'll talk about those in a minute. But ultimately, the Bucks are proving to me and to you and everyone else who's really been paying attention, like they're banking on their young talent. This is the year for that. You know, they've had their free agent veterans. They've had their proven guys come in over the last two, three years. And as of right now, you've got a lot of guys in position to make or break their football careers with how they play next season. Anthony Nelson obviously just got paid, so he's secure, but... You know, you look at the offensive line, Shaq Mason just getting traded away to the Texans, you know, a, a low round swap. That tells me that the Bucs are ready to move some pieces around, but ultimately rely on guys like Aaron Stinney, who just resigned on a one year deal as a free agent. Uh, Robert Hainsey, Nick Leverett, who filled in at left guard, I think could start at left guard. Um, you know, Luke Edicke's in the mix, but is he going to play right tackle? Is he going to be a left guard? Because, you know, Tristan Wirfs at right tackle. 
still leaves the Bucks without a left tackle. Um, so we got to kind of figure that part out too. So with all that being said, you know, the Bucks are choosing to invest in their younger talent. While they still feel they can be competitive, I think most realistic people know that you don't have as good of a chance to win a Super Bowl uh, with Baker Mayfield at quarterback or Kyle Trask at quarterback as you do with Tom Brady at quarterback. So you can you can take a chance on these younger guys and ultimately see how it pans out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean I mean, you know, you're definitely right. Um, you know, and and, and with you know, the, the thing to me, two of the three defensive phrases that they, that they re-signed, right? Levante David's the old guard, right? He He's the old guard. He signed the one-year deal, of course, whatever. You know, Jamel Dean is still fairly young, so he's going to be, and he signed a four-year deal, so like he's going to be there. So your secondary cornerbacks of Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, they're locked up. They're younger players. And Anthony Nelson, like I mentioned, is a younger player. Carl Nassib, if they were to re-sign him, he's an older player. So Shaq Barrett, Shaq Barrett, I believe, is 29 or 30 years old. Shaq Barrett's even getting up there. So, you know, if you want to re-sign guys and you want to look for to bring guys back and with a reasonable price, you would look for those younger guys with a, a bit of more upside, per se. Does Anthony Nelson have another level to grow? He's grown a lot since they drafted him. Um, now, does he have another level to grow? Um, that's what we'll have to wait and see. And and the Bucks are hoping, you know, the, because if he does, then that contract looks like a steal. Um, but you know, if he doesn't, then like, yeah, the contract's fine. Um, so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. And there will be a lot of young guys in Tampa Bay this year given an opportunity to to play um, and you know sort of prove themselves um, and show what they can do. Before we get into the quarterback conversation, I wanted to talk about uh, the retention of Jamel Dean, what it means for this defense, and more specifically, the secondary. I think keeping Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean together as your one and two corners, like that's huge. Um, you know, realistically, we look at the improvement of Jamel Dean over last season. You hope he can continue to play like that now that he's secured the bag. Carlton Davis, while 2022 wasn't his best year, he has been more than serviceable as a number one corner for Tampa Bay. And that's something that this team has not had. Uh, I don't want to say ever, but it seems like in a very, very long time. Like, when's the last time we've looked at the depth chart and looked at cornerback number one and number two and said, you know what, you can rely on both of those guys? It's been a minute, right? It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it absolutely, absolutely has. I mean, and like I said, both those guys are young and they are they're signed fairly long term. So, Carlton Davis is two years left, mm-hmm. but like he'll he'll be here. So yeah. like it's it's a secondary that you can build around. Carlton Davis, cornerback one. Jamel Dean, cornerback two. Zion McCollum kind of struggled last year, uh, but he'll obviously be back. Sean Murphy Bunting still a free agent, and haven't heard really anything at all about teams looking for a corner with his skill set. So so where does that leave him? Because he was the odd man out for what seemed like the first half of the 2022 season, and here we are, free agency, and nobody's even talking about making it a priority to bring this guy back. Um, with that being said, do you think the Bucs have ultimately made a decision bringing back Jamel Dean to, to maybe move on from SMB? Are they waiting to see what that market looks like? Because, again, it doesn't seem like teams are going crazy over this guy uh, what does that situation seem like to you? Yeah, that's an interesting one because when when you look at it at first glance, bringing back Jamel Dean would 
probably signal the end for Sean Murphy Bunting. I just, uh, it, it felt like to me, I wasn't expecting Dean back. So I was like, oh, okay, like Sean Murphy Bunting will be back. And now that Dean's back and he's obviously going to be the more expensive one. It's, it's hard to imagine a world, uh, I think, where Murphy Bunting returns to Tampa. Now, Jordan Schultz, now we haven't heard anything from the Buck side per se, but Jordan Schultz, uh, NFL insider, tweeted out a few days ago that some teams are intrigued uh, by Sean Murphy Bunting. I'm not sure what teams they are. Um, but, you know, yeah, right now you don't hear much on his market. And uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. If his market dips to a certain point, could the Bucks get back in? Maybe. Like, But I, I think with the signing of Jamel Dean, it's going to have to really be a, a pretty low price. And I just I don't know if Murphy Bunting's market's going to go that low. Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking as well, because he kind of came around second half of last year, played some more, uh, I think made some plays towards the latter end of the year, which was good to see, but a contract year for him nonetheless. So uh, we'll keep you updated as we know more, but just wanted to bring that name up because not a lot of people have been talking about him, at least from obviously what I hear. So let's talk about the other side of the football, and this is the news that everyone has been waiting for for a while. I mean, ever since that fateful day, Tom <laughs> Brady decided to hang it up. Uh, people have thrown everything at the wall trying to guess who the next Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback will be. And every offseason, you get these, you know, these these pipe dream scenarios where people say, oh, you know, the Bucs could do this, this, and this, and somehow Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback next year. And, and those never really get rolling. A lot of people get excited. You see a couple of jersey swaps on Twitter, and we really get the blood flowing. But you know, Aaron Rodgers was someone who was talked about for 10 seconds. That ship sailed. He's playing for the Jets. Derek Carr, mm, kind of out of the Bucks' price range. They probably could have gotten him if they really wanted to leverage some more of the future. But that's all right. He signs with New Orleans. Um, you know, are they going to draft a guy? Still have to wait and see. But we knew for a while, and we've been telling you for a while that the Bucks are going to go ahead and sign a cheap veteran option. Now, obviously, my personal favorite, my pick was was Gardner Minshew. I would have loved to see Minshew Mania running wild in Tampa Bay, uh, but it just didn't shake out that way. So can't always get what you want. And with that being said, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have signed former number one overall pick to the Cleveland Browns quarterback make, uh, Baker Mayfield to a one year deal worth up to $8.5 million. It's a $2 million base, $2 million signing bonus. So let's just say a $4 million base with up to $4.5 million in incentives for the former number one overall pick. Evan Wanish, are you ready to get baked? <laughs> Feeling dangerous, huh? Um, the Bucks certainly are. Um, so, you know, just like you said, we... We knew all offseason, you know, and it wasn't just us telling people. It was everybody telling like they were going to sign a veteran quarterback. Now, what the extent of that veteran quarterback was, it could have been a, a Drew, a Drew Locke. It could have been a, a Taylor Heineke. It could have been, you know, Baker Mayfield or Jacoby Brissett. I think most would agree that out of those names, you know, Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett were sort of the higher end of the, the competition per se. Um, and then Drew Locke and Taylor Heineke probably on, on you know, down a, a little bit more, but yeah, I mean, Mayfield it is. And, you know, Ian Rappaport comes out on Sunday and says, you know, oh, they're going to target Mayfield and stuff. And at that point I was thinking to myself, well, that's done. Like it's just the timing of it just, Let, just felt, felt done. Literally, 
I think the tweet was sent, at least I got the notification for it, 12.01 p.m. Yeah, it was, it was about 24 hours <laughs> Just before. under, yeah, 24 hours before the, uh, the, the open negotiation period. That's what we're going to call it here on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Just before that deadline. So, you know, it definitely had legs. Yeah, it, it did. And, okay, so time passes, Monday passes, Tuesday passes. You still hear some stuff. You hear they're interested in Jacoby Brissett. None of it's really a surprise. Um, so all that passes and then boom, there it is. Wednesday morning, pretty much, uh, Baker Mayfield signing a one-year deal, uh, with the Buccaneers. And, uh, and I've seen a lot of people, I, I, it's, he's a polarizing figure. He he's, he's very, there's some people who there's not, no, let me get, let me get this straight. There's nobody here saying that, oh, he's the franchise, you know, franchise quarterback, this and that. There's some people that are way more optimistic than others. There's some people that are saying, well, he did pretty good in L.A. when when you saw him there. Um, he's a former number one overall pick. Maybe he can, you know, sort of revitalize his career uh, in Tampa Bay when, you know, given that opportunity with those weapons. Um and because, and everybody says, oh, the last time he had weapons, what happened when he had Jarvis Landry, Odell, David Njoku, Nick Chubb? Jarvis Landry, that, man. Come that, on. Well, no, that, was, that was 2020. That was Baker yeah. Mayfield's best pro season when he went to the playoffs. So it's clearly something. Um, oh, you mean the Cleveland the, Browns, the team that really hadn't done a damn thing since before he got there made no, the playoffs? <laughs> yeah. I mean, a team that was 0-16 less than two years before that season? No, stop. That that team? Um. And um, and then there's others. There's the other side that think this guy is the worst quarterback in the NFL, this and that, this and that. And I think his attitudes sort of rub some people the, the wrong way. Um, and I understand it. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there's there's just not a whole lot of risk here. If he sucks, okay, you, you put Trask in. If Trask sucks, okay, guess what? If they both suck, you're getting a top 10 pick and you can get the quarterback of the future then. If Mayfield does good, you might have just found your quarterback for the next three, four, five years, like a Geno Smith situation. And I know, you know, I, and we're going to bring up Geno a lot when discussing Baker Mayfield because Dave Canales being from Seattle and it's sort of a very similar situation, like a career, you know, resurrection. But Geno Smith is the exception. You know, that's not the norm. Those guys don't, you know, it's not like Marcus Mariota went to Atlanta and he did fantastic. Like, it's not like Jameis Winston went to New Orleans and did fantastic. Those guys, a lot of times it doesn't uh, work out. Not to interrupt you here, but we do have some breaking news via rap sheet. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are signing free agent running back Chase Edmonds to a one-year deal. The former Broncos running back. What do you think of that? Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I like Evans. Um, so that, that should put an end to all the uh, <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott. Oh uh, God. Thank God, man. Uh, I, Holy I think hell. Like should, we're, we're going to, we're going to, you're telling me we're going to get rid of Leonard Fournette to go to Ezekiel Elliott at this it point just, in his it career. Just it just didn't make any I sense. Mean, what are we doing? I, I'm so yeah. glad that that, uh, that didn't last very long. Yeah. It just, it, it never, it never made sense. Um, like, Dude, Zeke's like my size. <laughs> like, and if, if you guys have seen me, you know what I'm talking about. But um, that dude, no thanks. Like, you want to talk about people were complaining about Fournette being slow. Like, people were complaining about his burst. Like, Zeke's burst is gone. So, and, yeah, I mean, yeah, Chase Edmonds to Tampa Bay. 
Yeah, and unfortunately for Zeke, with all due respect, I, I mean, you know, the guy had the years that he did. He got the contract that he did. God bless him, right? Dallas decided to pay him all that money. Good for him because not a lot of running backs get to cash out like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is a guy that two months ago, a month ago, said he was willing to take less money to remain a Dallas Cowboy, and they still canned his ass. So, you know, if Dallas, that's one of their boys. Like, you give them a contract like that, that's one of your boys. And I know by default, if you play in Dallas, you're one of the boys. But Zeke was really one of those guys that they had leaned on in that franchise for a long time. And uh, you see how they treated him. So, yeah, no thanks. I, I will pass. Uh, Chase Edmonds, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm happy, about the, uh, happy about that, though. It'll be a nice running back to pair with Rashad White. And it'll be interesting to see what that backfield can look like come week one of the season. Now, I wanted to get back on track with the quarterback conversation, give my two cents about Baker, and then, of course, talk about the other guy waiting in the wings. Um, So Baker Mayfield, you know, a a lot of people seem to uh, seem to rag on the guy. A lot of people seem to praise him and maybe overhype him to a point. But I feel like most number one overall picks get that rap. You know, even Jameis Winston, seven, eight years later. He re-signs with New Orleans as a uh, backup quarterback, takes a lot less money because he says he wants to stay healthy, but people are still going to say he's a championship quarterback. And then there's other people who are going to say he is one of the worst guys you can ever have slinging the rock on Sunday. So with Baker Mayfield, a lot of the same still applies, but I I do think the upside is there, you know, because again, he's only what, 26? 20, oh, he's 27 right now. Okay. It'll be 28 by the time the season starts. But I mean, still, it's old. So you can get maybe at best a six, seven, eight year run out of this guy if he really does live up to expectations and become the next franchise quarterback. But that's the thing is that I think the skill set is there. I, I really do because of what we have seen, right? What we've seen in the past, I, I just, I, I think it could definitely happen. Um, So... With that being said, is there a lot of bad? Yeah, there is. But let's not forget, I think a lot of people are rushing to conclusions here with the signing of Baker Mayfield because there is another guy on the roster. His name is Kyle Trask, second round pick from a couple of years ago. You may have heard of him on this week's Bucks poll over on Twitter. You can find me there at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. Every now and again, we'll throw up a poll and get your opinion. We polled 101 people this week. And the question was, do you believe Kyle Trask was ever given a legitimate chance to beat Blaine Gabbert for the Buccaneers quarterback to spot? Now, Evan, before I reveal the poll results, I want to know your answer. Um, it's tough. I, I will say probably no even though like they've seen him every day in practice. Like we haven't like they've seen him in practice. They've seen him in the meeting rooms. They have seen him up close and personal. They see what his progression's like, and we haven't. So they know more than we do about the situation. But, like, the reason I'm going to say no is that last game of the regular season this past year um, versus Atlanta, the game didn't mean anything. Tom Brady played, okay, whatever. Tom, Blaine Gabbert should have never gone in that game. If you really wanted to see what Kyle Trask could do, you may you have Trask play that entire second half. Instead, he comes in with the fourth quarter with like eight minutes left and throws, I think, a total of like six passes. Um, so that's why I'm going to say no. Because you had a prime opportunity there to sort of figure out what you had, and I, that would have been a chance. And I just I don't know if he was given that chance, despite what you may or may not think of him. You think he's horrible or you think he's great. 
Um, you know, I still think that evidence to me um, shows that probably wasn't given much of a chance. Also, just an update. The 26-year-old Chase Edmonds got 1.06 vet minimum for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you talk about a cap hit for uh, 2023. That's one that you do like to see. Back to the topic of Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield, though. Or I'm sorry, Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert. I do agree. I, I think it was an uphill battle for Trask. I think there's obviously a lot of reasons. You know, he didn't blow anyone away at practice, which is another reason he probably wasn't considered sooner. But I feel like it was an uphill battle to begin with just because of Blaine Gabbert being here, just because of Bruce Arians comfortability with him in the offense, just because Tom Brady may or may not have leaned on him at certain points to, I guess, install the game plan when he first got here all those years ago. But it's like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it felt like the Bucks never really legitimately considered Kyle Trask as a contender for QB two. Cause I think they always, just like you said, always intended for, for Blaine to be that guy, especially that last game in Atlanta, why do you toss him in there? Like we've seen him in there before. You know, mm. you were up forty-seven to nothing, forty-eight to nothing over the Lions, and you toss Blaine Gabbard in there, and he throws a touchdown to Rob Gronkowski. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know, we've seen Gabbard before. But back to the results of the Bucks poll. Twitter agrees with both of us. Sixty-six percent of people said no. Kyle Trask was never given a legit chance to beat Blaine Gabbard for the Bucks QB two spot. Thirty-four percent say. Yes, a couple of response here. A good thread from TB Vinny, Tampa Vinny 25 says, Tom clearly trusts Gabbert more. I do have mixed feelings on this one. The backup job is to help the starter prepare and be ready to step in. They clearly trusted Gabbert more with that role. Clyde never seemed to like Trask from the jump, whereas Todd wanted to give him a chance before Brady unretired. This last preseason, Gabbert still had a slight edge at the same time of a visible progression in Trask's development which still wasn't enough to supplant Gabbert. With Staff and Brady trusting Gabbert, more Trask would have had to play perfect to win that backup job, in my opinion. A couple of other people say, I think the plan from the start was to have him sit for two years. Blaine seemed like what Brady wanted as his backup, and I don't think there was a real competition. So that is what the people say. You and I somewhat echo the same statement, but luckily with this signing of Baker Mayfield, this is the most legitimate chance at a QB one job Kyle Trask has ever had in his entire career. And with that being said, I know we talk about the downside of Baker Mayfield and people have said he's a bum and you can dismiss him as such. But at the end of the day, like he's a guy who wants to play and he's a guy who's not guaranteed that job. Like Tom Brady was always guaranteed that job. When Tom Brady's on the roster, he's got that job, you know, and uh, that's just not the case. So if Kyle Trask wins the QB one job this time in August, then I have that much more faith in Kyle Trask to be a productive quarterback for Tampa Bay because I, I think Baker, I have Baker winning the job right here on March 16th. I know we obviously have plenty of months left to go, but I think Baker just maybe wants it a little bit more. And, uh, you know, he's he's got the wherewithal to, to have been there before, even though it's been an uphill battle for him recently. Uh, but it's going to be stiff competition for Kyle Trask. Are you excited for this QB battle? I mean, we haven't had what feels like a legitimate quarterback battle in Tampa Bay in a very, very long time. I mean, we can, you know, we can talk about Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that was, that was a franchise quarterback and a backup really kind of going at it. These are two young guys who could potentially be the future of this team. Yeah. It's, it's the first legit QB battle. Just like you said that you're going to have, um, because I mean, 
even in 2014, it was Josh McCown and, and Mike Glennon. I think a lot of people were like, yeah, McCown's a starter. Like, there's not really a competition there. Oh, uh, man, there were some Mike Glennon truthers, and I was one of them. Let me tell you, I was team Glennon in that rivalry all day. I think most were, I think. <laughs> um, then, then once McCown started playing, people definitely were. Um, but then, uh, so, but yeah, this is the first time that... Um, that you're going to have a legit competition. Like it is like the bucks are not going to have a set quarterback one heading into training camp in a long time. Like it is, it is a long time. Even, I mean, 2001, not 2001, 2009, maybe like that may be the last time they didn't have a set QB one heading into the season, because you got to think even with, 2012 and 2013 like while josh freeman you know, only lasted a few games in 2013 he was the starter like you all knew he was going to be the starter like there wasn't a, a competition per se so like and then 2014 like i said with mccown and glenn and then 2015 to 2019 with Jameis, like yeah he's the starter and then obviously brady so this is going to be the first time in a very very long time that it is a legit like Who's better? Like, and yeah, I think Mayfield has the edge. He has the experience. Um, he's been productive in his career at times. I would say he has the edge. But hey, if Kyle Trask goes out there and looks better than him, they're going to play the best guy. And Mayfield's contract is not big enough to be like, oh, we just paid him all this money. We, we got to do that. No, like he, he, it's a $4 million deal, essentially. Like it says up to eight and a half. That's if all incentives are reached. If he's not the starter, none of the incentives can be reached. So like, you know, it's, it's basically, it, it's no risk there. And they will play the best guy because Todd Bowles and maybe Jason Light, they have to win as many games as possible this year. Unless you are Jason Light and Todd Bowles, you know, from the outside looking in, this quarterback situation specifically with Baker is high risk, high reward without the risk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can lose some games. Obviously, that's a risk. And again, that matters more to Todd Bowles, Jason Light than a lot of people who are especially fiending for draft picks, you know, tank for Caleb and all that stuff. But with that being said, you know, the point you just made, Baker's cap hit this year, four mil. Two mil was that? Two mil of that as a signing bonus? Yeah, it's it's four million. Yeah, it's a two million dollar base and two million signing. uh, And then Kyle Trask is still on a rookie deal, getting paid peanuts. So, is what it is, man. I mean, you got two potential franchise quarterbacks on your roster for under seven million dollars, under ten million dollars potentially, and both of them are ready to play. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I am definitely excited. Yeah, it'll be. Training camp, you know, will definitely be a lot more intriguing this year, I think. Obviously, there's going to be less excitement about the actual team, like success-wise. But I think storyline-wise, I think you have more storylines this year for sure. Oh, yeah. Are there any more storylines you wanted to talk about on today's podcast before we start to wrap things up? I, I think we think we caught everybody up on what was going on. I know there was a Russell Gage restructure in there as well, which lowered his cap hit for the Buccaneers. Uh, that happened a little bit while a little while ago, but um, what do you think? Is there anything on your mind? Yeah, they um they resigned Aaron Stinney as well. Yes, they did. Um, I, I mentioned that pass in passing earlier, but let's talk about this offensive line. We'll uh we'll wrap it up with this. Yeah, because they, and and they also I mean they also you know the Shaq Mason trade, so uh, we didn't get to cover that really. So 
yeah, one guard out and then one guard back in. So, um, Estini was in the competition for the left guard spot last camp. Unfortunately, suffered a torn ACL slash MCL against the Titans in the preseason. Missed the entire 2022 season. So now hopefully he's healthy enough uh, to compete again because it looks like there's there could very well be competition maybe at both guard spots uh, because with the Shaq Mason trade, now the Bucks have a, a hole at right guard, but I would say a hole with probably like a, you know, a little like a asterisk next to it, I guess, because they only did that because they really like the depth they have, you know, Robert Hainsey can play it. Nick Leverett can play it. And with Ryan Jensen returning to center, that allows Hainsey to do that. So they like a lot of the depth they have. I would expect them to add an offensive lineman, either in fragency or the draft for depth purposes, but Stinney's just another guy, you know, who can compete. And as for Mason, I know a couple people were like, Oh, you know, why'd you get rid of him? Why'd you get rid of him? They pretty much got back what they paid for him. And and and, and yeah, like I probably probably would have kept him probably, um, but like yeah, it's it's not like it's not the end of the world. Like it, it it's fine. Like it was it was a pick swap. But like you said, they it's not like they gave up a second round pick for him and then you're trading him for a sixth like a year they, later. They, they literally gave up. I think it was like pick one seventy to go get him, and then they just got from Houston like pick one seventy four. 179 is the pick they got from. Houston. Okay. Yeah. All right. So maybe it was um, 174. They gave up to go get him, but it was a pick in the 170s. So, I mean, it, it you know, we're kind of, kind of grasping at straws here. If we're, we're talking about a difference of five or six, sixth round picks. Yeah. Um, but let me ask you this million dollar question. What are we going to do at left tackle? Obviously Donovan Smith, no longer on the roster. It was said that when Donovan Smith was released, there were a couple of people who have reported uh, the Bucs are entertaining the idea of moving Tristan Wurst to left tackle, which with the way he has played these first couple of seasons in the NFL, we can only hope it translates to left tackle, but it's a lot easier said than done. Uh, so do you think the Bucs are just going to kind of throw some guys at it? Do you think they could legitimately move Tristan Wurst to left tackle? We talked before on the show about, you know, Luke Edeke and that experience at right tackle. I don't know if that means he plays better than he did at left guard. Hopefully, hopefully it does. Um, but what is their plan? Because, you know, not only do they have a hole to fill at the guard position, they got much more depth at guard than they do at left tackle. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the big question this offseason, right? Because like, where are they going to make that move with Tristan Worse? And in my battle plan, I did have them doing that due to budget. Like, I just I didn't have the cap space to do you know a lot of things, and the Bucks may not either in reality. So. I think that's going to come down to they'll have OTAs and everything. And I think they might try him out there uh, to see you know how he's moving, how he feels comfortable playing on, on a different side, because I, I wouldn't expect them to add. They might add a tackle for depth purposes, but like as far as like a starting left tackle, I wouldn't expect them to add that in fragency. However, you know, OTAs and stuff, that's before the draft. So you get a chance to take a look at Worf's at left tackle and also take a look at get how he looks at right tackle. And then you get to make that determination heading into the draft. If you're sitting there in round one or round two, is there a tackle you like that you feel can step in day one and start for you at left tackle? Um, remember you Donovan Smith was a second round pick. 
he was a day one starter for the team at left tackle. Now I know the team was in a different spot then. They were sort of more on the building side of things, but like hey, the these Bucks aren't in win now mode right now either. So like it's not a huge deal um, if the tackle has some has some rookie struggles. So. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think it determines how much they see of Tristan Wirfs playing that left side, how comfortable he is. Uh, but I don't think we're going to get that answer until you see their draft. And if they don't really draft a tackle that high, I, I think you might have your answer there. Yeah, and that's the biggest difference in the Bucks team coming into this season as to, uh, you know, compared to the uh, the last few seasons, is that one, you obviously don't have Tom Brady. Like, this should be obvious, but... Again, like you said, these Bucks are not in win-now mode. So in previous years, when we talked about guys like Robert Hainsey playing center, and we talked about you know maybe filling it in with this guy who is younger on the roster, but do you want to take that chance because you have to keep this team as close to perfect as possible? Uh, you can't cut quarters on an offensive line with a 45-year-old Hall of Fame quarterback. You just can't do it. And the Bucks, unfortunately, were in a position where, ha- where they had to do it, and a lot of those young guys stepped up. But when we talked about them in previous seasons, right? It, it, it's almost like, you know, Joe Tryon Shoyinka in his rookie season isn't getting more reps because you have a proven outside linebacker in Jason Pierre-Paul who can get those reps, right? And this is a guy who is there, and this is a guy who can, you know, possibly support the team more based off of the information that we already have. With these uncertain guys, you don't want to take a chance because you you want to win as many games as possible. Not to say the Bucks don't want to win as many games as possible, but you got to be realistic. And uh, yes. you know, just like I said at the beginning of the show, I think a lot of people know you're not going to be a Super Bowl contender with Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask at quarterback yet. Yet, let me throw that in there for all the optimistic people, huh? We don't know if they're going to be a Super Bowl contender yet. And the only way to find out is uh, by letting them play. And that's exactly what they're going to do. OTAs are going to be fun. Training camp is going to be a lot of fun, especially with the veterans coming back. But that quarterback battle will keep you guys updated along every step of the way. New running back in Tampa Bay as well. The Chase Edmonds News bringing you the latest right here on the Cannon Fire podcast. But ladies and gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Evan, did, uh, did we get around the horn? Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. And obviously, you know, just like we were talking here on breaking news happened, news can happen at any time. So still a lot of bucks for agents that have not signed. Oh, also uh, Nacho uh, signed with the Giants. So yes, um, good, good good luck to him. He got a sneaky Man, good contract. I mean, 12 uh, milli, 12 milli a year. No, 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 no. The the contract's twelve mil. It's oh, it's a it's Jesus. a it's a three Sorry. three year twelve million dollar deal. Okay, holy hell! I thought. <laughs> all right, never mind then. I was under the impression he got twelve mil. I've been I've literally since he signed that deal. I thought it was twelve million a year, and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, no, no. It's 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 four four million a year still. Probably a little bit too much for the Bucks to, to spend there for for a backup lineman like that. But um, yeah, he'll you know he'll provide. You know, good energy for the Giants and everything. But yeah, guys like Logan Ryan, Keanu Neal, Mike Edwards, Sean Murphy Bunting, all these guys are still out there. So we'll see if the Bucks can re-sign any of them or if they add some more outside free agents like they just did with Chase Edmonds. So um yeah, we'll see and we'll be here to cover it. So probably be talking to you, you know, obviously sooner rather than later, because news, like I said, news can happen at any point. Follow the show on social media. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens, especially during free agency. You can also check out my co-host, Evan, on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Bucks fan page on Instagram. 
You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BoxNation.com. Anything in the hopper? Uh, not a whole lot. Just, you know, continuing the, the coverage of free agency. So any breaking news there, I might be covering some of that. So uh, I covered the, the Baker Mayfield thing uh, with, with James. So, um, yeah, so just keep an eye on that. Just, you know, for any breaking news, head over to BucksNation.com for all the coverage. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. We've got the new weekly Bucks poll, so keep an eye out for that. Going to be asking some interesting questions. Love to get feedback from you guys and uh, interact with anyone who supports the show. So follow us over there. Follow me, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. Appreciate you listening. We'll keep you updated with more Bucks news as it breaks. Keep it locked right here on YouTube and all of our podcast outlets. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll catch you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.